Before we begin today, I'd like to tell you about an organization called No More Dysphoria, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization run by a Sagittarius, whose primary goal is to help aid and assist transgender and gender non-conforming individuals pay for different aspects of their transitions. If you or anyone you know is seeking financial assistance towards their transition, you may reach out directly to nomoredysphoria at gmail.com. If you'd like to make a donation to the organization to help with their mission, you may do so directly via PayPal at nomoredysphoria at gmail.com. For more information on their grassroots efforts, visit their website at nomoredysphoria.org. Soon, Mercury enters Pisces, and Venus enters Aries, which gives the mind compassion and the heart direction. There's also a full moon in Leo approaching, a powerful transit for individualism. Together, these transits reflect the spirit of a determined humanitarian, a community leader, and they're happening during the first days of the United States primary election. So I ask, are any of my choices a genuine humanitarian? And if so, can they lead? Are any of my choices truly an altruist? Altruism is defined as unselfish regard for or devotion to the welfare of others. Another source defines it as the fact of caring about the needs and happiness of other people more than your own. The word altruism was introduced by French philosopher Auguste Comte as an antonym for egoism. Humans are largely, if not entirely, egocentric. We're taught to watch our ego, implying that it's more common for it to inflate than deflate. In fact, the ego is so prominent in human psychology that it's questionable whether altruism is even possible. Because when we do something good, we receive the reward of gratification. So the act of wanting to do something good becomes immediately paradoxical. We see this same paradox all over the world. We see examples of false altruism in real time in the news cycle when a person or organization's hidden motives are revealed, or when a respected politician makes a political sacrifice, claiming it's for the greater good. Yet we also see this paradox in voters, in ourselves. Voting is a powerful personal act. Our egos tell us our vote is the right one, and in voting season, we're told to make our voice heard. And ultimately, our votes serve the community. Any vote can always be both personal and communal. What I'm saying is, even a selfish vote cast to help you and only you maintain your wealth like a dragon on its mountain of gold will still stand to help out another dragon somewhere out there loafing about on his pile of gold. So then voting and leading are both where, on a spectrum, we blend individualism with community. Wouldn't it be so nice if things were black and white? If we could simply cast a vote selflessly and know it would guarantee positive impact? Or for some of us, even to cast a vote selfishly and know it would guarantee positive impact? Wouldn't it be nice to know if we could trust the candidates in elections? We're in dark times now, with mass communal division in nations everywhere. 
presidents and leaders in Brazil, the UK, Russia, China, North Korea, and of course the United States, seem bent on destroying any lick of humanitarianism left on this earth. So, at this point in time, in this election season, our votes really matter. At least, we hope. Which is why I've brought in Democratic strategist Ryan O'Donnell to help parse out who's running in this primary and how they can help or hurt us. I'm Ryan O'Donnell, and I do data and analytics work for different progressive campaigns and unions. Back in 2007, I started teaching, and then once I realized that I wanted to make more of a difference nationally, I started working for the Obama campaign, and then I have never stopped since then. Ryan has worked in several areas of Democratic campaigns and progressive organizations, doing analytics, polling, and organizing. Since 2008, he's worked on numerous campaigns, including Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Cynthia Nixon, and Barack Obama. I do a lot of polling and um, I build a lot of models to target people. So like different campaigns will go out and like talk to people, whether it's like making phone calls or canvassing or stuff like that. And I'm usually the one that chooses which people to talk to so that you like make the biggest impact uh, before the election. So I was just speaking about leaders in multiple nations in this kind of trend of what feels like a complete like intentional reduction of humanity in various kind of recent elections in Brazil and the UK, mm-hmm. the United States. What is happening in the world right now? I think it's you know different for each particular country, but I tend to think that obviously a lot of it is is rooted, whether it's passive or not, in different forms of racism and xenophobia. And, you know, I think in a lot of ways, like here and in the UK, it's I think in a large part of it, white people trying to hold on to the culture that they grew up with, and they're scared to see it get kind of taken away from them. Why everybody's having problems is very different and very complicated. And when someone comes along and says, actually, the problem is just because of immigrants, or it's just because of Muslims, or something like that, I think people are inclined to believe that because I think it's 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 simple, and it kind of makes sense to them. And it it kind of you know, confirms their biases. You once said to me that you think a person has to be insane to want to run for president. Can you elaborate on that? Running for president and almost any federal office in general is, I mean, you spend like a half to two thirds of your job just like begging people for money in most cases, right? Like Sounds like being a musician. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, you know, some people have gotten around that, right? Like, People that have like very, you know, very popular figures like uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or, you know, Bernie Sanders, you know, more recently, even Elizabeth Warren more recently, right? Like don't really do that as much anymore um, because they've amassed large parts of the population that will just fund them with small dollar donors. And so they don't have to do this stuff. But like in general, fundraising for any elected office is like a, a nightmare And I think when people think that, you know, a lot of it is like writing legislation and like, you know, coming up with different ways to make society better. It's like that's a a much smaller part of the job than you would want it to be. You know, running for president specifically, it's a very interesting personality trait to like think that you are like the sole person to run the most powerful country in the world. Uh, That's what I think about when I think of people that are running for president being a little bit strange. Do you think altruism exists? Probably not. Like if we're talking about the philosophical debate of altruism, 
I think the way that I think about it most of the time is that I, you know, I think if you can find something that's mutually beneficial, that like helps people and helps yourself or makes you feel good about yourself, I think that's a great thing. And the more things that you could find that uh, make you feel better will probably uh, make you more likely to donate to someone or give money to charity or help people or whatever. So it seems like a good thing. Let's rank the candidates on our own altruism scale of one to 10. One will say someone like Mark Zuckerberg. 10 will say someone like Keanu Reeves. Tell me where they fall on the scale and in one sentence what the world would look like if they won the presidency. Joe Biden. Maybe like a six. And I think that Joe Biden would look a lot like, you know, the Obama presidency. I think he's probably running on a a bit of a, a rewind, focusing on bipartisanship and our standing in the world. Elizabeth Warren. You mean eight or so? And I think she, I think her administration would focus a lot on corruption from the start and uh, like reforming uh, a lot of the different parts of government so that you can, she could make further change. Bernie Sanders. Maybe a nine solely because he's, he's, I mean, it's a sense of self, obviously, right? But like, but I think he's, he's been very extremely consistent throughout his entire career. And I think he would probably focus more on domestic policy, like Medicare for all and, you know, free public college and stuff. Um, and then also like a, a very heavy focus on um, the activist base that he needs to get those things passed. Pete Buttigieg. Maybe a little lower, like a five or something, because just, just watching him in the campaign, he's you know, gone back and forth on a few issues, I think, based on what was was best at the time. You know, he's kind of started out a little more progressive and now he's a bit more centrist. And I think that's because of the that's the lane that he kind of carved out for himself. And so I think he would probably look like a like a revamped Obama era, maybe like slightly more progressive, but like a real heavy focus on pragmatism. Tulsi Gabbard. I'm pretty <laughs> biased against Tulsi Gabbard. I, I would say pretty low. Um, like a two, maybe. Whoa. I mean, she had a anti-LGBTQ upbringing that she was very public about that she c- kind of doesn't talk about anymore. She recently voted present on Donald Trump's impeachment. I think that she doesn't have a lot of moral standing and she will do whatever she thinks is is you know best in the moment. She is all over the place. Like she literally talked about making sure that women had less abortions in like the last debate that she was on. She's kind of an enigma. She would not play nice with the Democratic Party, and that would be the most interesting thing to watch, I think. Andrew Yang. On an altruism scale, I would probably rate all of the millionaires and billionaires pretty low, just out of, you know, um, regardless of how they're doing or how I feel about them. But So maybe like a three, unless they're giving like half of their money to charity, right? They got to be pretty low um, for having that much money. And then I think Andrew Yang would, you know, pretty much all he talks about is... uh universal basic income, right? Get, getting $1,000 a month to everybody. So he would, that's definitely the biggest thing that, that would happen under his administration that you would be looking out for. Maybe automation also. What's automation? He talks, well, sorry, he oh, talks like, about like the workforce becoming right, right. automated and what we have to do. And that, mm-hmm. but that's also like part of why he thinks everybody deserves $1,000 a month. Yeah. Because he's like, you're all going to get adam- automated out of your jobs. So how about we make him veep and then he'll give us all a thousand bucks, but we'll get someone else as right. president. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> Citizens can have $1,000 as a treat. (laughs) (laughs) Amy Klobuchar. Yeah, she's she's a a bit difficult too. I would maybe like a a four or five or something. I think that's mainly because you hear a lot of stories about her working in politics, about treating her staff pretty badly. And I think that got released when she started running for president, but that was like in the 
in the campaign world for a long time before that. You know, it's probably some of it's I'm sure true. A lot of it has to do with sexism, I think. Like I'm sure there's plenty of male politicians that treat their staffers like that. I think an administration of hers would look like kind of common sense reforms. She gets a lot of stuff done. And I think it's because she chooses things that are difficult for people to disagree with that are like kind of common sense things like making sure that there's no lead in children's toys, you know, like stuff like that and make there will be no murdering when I'm president. (laughs) And she passes all that stuff that like somehow, you know, hasn't been passed yet. Michael Bloomberg. Again, a billionaire. So probably another like three. And I think he would probably focus on things like gun safety and climate change because that's what he has spent pretty much his entire career post New York City mayor doing and also probably trying to stop some of the left's rhetoric about the rich. Great. Noble cause. I mean, that's it strikes <laughs> me as a big reason why he joined. Tom Steyer. Another billionaire, you know, and he was so probably another like three or something. He was in the um, oil industry before and um, and stuff and then kind of, I think, saw the air of his way. So he he would be focused, I think, on climate change. What do you believe is the most crucial thing that as voters we should be talking about right now? In general, you know, it, this is an election year. So I think the thing that's most important to be talking about right now is uh, is the election and making sure that Donald Trump is a one-term president, but also the planet is on fire. So I would also say climate change. Based on what you see every day in the work you do, why does our vote matter? I do think it's complex on both sides. I do understand some people's sense of kind of helplessness and uh, frustration with the system. But uh, at the same time, I also think it's, for someone that um, knows the consequences, I think it's also kind of a a tremendous sense of privilege to choose to not vote, even if it doesn't quite fit exactly what you're looking for. Like, I think it's very difficult to like tell the mother of a of a child that got separated from her and put in a cage that like, you know, you you didn't vote or, you know, tell a trans person that can get fired from their work for no reason that you didn't vote or tell someone who has to drive, you know, eight hours to the nearest abortion clinic that you didn't vote just because it wasn't quite up to to your standards. But so I but I still do understand that that the system isn't perfect. But I think that that the Democratic Party right now is the best vehicle for um, for change in this country. Things change in this country because you both vote and you also do stuff in between elections, right? Like movements and voting is what make things happen. I very much hope everybody votes. Ryan gave us a political look at the candidates running in the 2020 Democratic primary. And now I'd like to take an astrological look. The word altruism can be tied to both Neptune and Uranus, but Uranus pairs more appropriately with political change. So I used Uranus in this exercise. Uranus is a planet that impacts the human collective through revolution, disrupt, and on its better days, altruism. I looked at the Uranus placement of each of the candidates and made an assessment for how or if they can help our society altruistically. The first thing I noticed is that the Uranus of every single candidate makes aspects to personal planets. 
This is important because it infers that Uranian qualities, such as revolution, innovation, and altruism, impact the candidates on a conscious level. They attribute collective ideas to their own identity. The next thing I noticed is that the majority of candidates with known exact times of birth have Uranus on an angle, meaning it touches one of the main axes that form a cross in a natal chart and signifies importance in the chart. I point this out because there's something satisfying about it in seeing astrology align with what we know to be true. In this case, that these candidates are bold innovators bent on re-envisioning the structure of a nation. So who here is astrologically an altruist? When I really broke each chart down in depth, one at a time, I found that Biden, Warren, Sanders, and Buttigieg had astrological indications of altruism, whereas Gabbard, Yang, and Klobuchar were more mysterious, and Bloomberg and Steyer did not. I found that Gabbard was too confused about where to place her power, Yang was too unsure of his own identity and role within the political world, and Klobuchar was perhaps too dogmatic or unsure of her own motives. Bloomberg and Steyer showed signs of financial leadership, but without the deep, genuine compassion of altruism. They are skilled leaders, and they do care, but perhaps not in the right ways to take care of a community. Biden, Warren, Sanders, and Buttigieg all showed extreme signs of altruism, but Biden was the weakest of the four because of his inclination towards harmony and acquiescence, preventing him from putting a strong foot forward to make a difference. Buttigieg actually showed the most pure and beautiful signs of altruism, but without the real tools to act on it. Following Buttigieg, Warren and Sanders were equally matched in their levels of Uranian altruism, and both with the skills to make things happen, though Bernie is perhaps better than Warren at reaching people on a personal level and communicating his vision to them. I just think I'm too Last week, we entered Aquarius season, and it lasts until February 18th. Like Capricorn, Aquarius is both found in the coldest part of the year and ruled by Saturn, the planet that sets boundaries. But Aquarius is also ruled by the planet Uranus, a planet of change, invention, individuality, and altruism. Aquarius is the sign of the individual working for the collective. Where Capricorn strives to be a functioning individual within the collective, Aquarius strives to be a functioning individual for the collective, even if this means being unpopular, anomalous, misunderstood. This season asks us to hold on to what we believe is right and never let it go. But individualism is a word as isolating as it is powerful. Be yourself is something we hear from a young age. This season makes us feel distant, maybe cut off from people close to us, but it also reminds us of who we are and what we believe in. Aquarius is an air sign. It is heady and inspires thought to an extreme, where one might lose their footing on Earth, floating up and away into their own world. To others, it can make one seem on another planet altogether. This song, High by the band Slowpulp, makes physical this feeling of floating, of feeling apart from yourself, 
of being on another planet and being lost in your own head. Haven't you ever felt uncomfortable in your clothes, in the car you drive, or how you talk? This song inspires me to think about what's underneath that, to think about who is it wearing this shirt. I have too much in my pockets I wish they were empty And now it feels like my palms are sweaty I'm not ready Oh, my shirt sits on Thank you to Ryan O'Donnell for sitting down with me. I gently urge any American listening to vote in this primary. Elections begin on February 3rd in Iowa and continue in other states in the weeks following. You can find a link to these dates in the description for this episode. You can find a piece on Slowpulp in issue number 28 of Hooligan Magazine. For more of their music, visit their website at slowpulp.com. For more Astroblast content, you can follow along at astroblasting.com or on social media at, at @astroblasting. You can also find my astrology contributions for Hooligan Magazine online at hooliganmagazine.com/astrology, including the February astrology forecast and a politics piece that accompanies this episode where you can read my detailed astrological breakdown for each candidate's Uranus. If you've joined the Astroblast Patreon, you have access to a helpful cheat sheet PDF for the 12 signs, the planets, aspects, and the text symbols, which you can copy and paste for your use. It's easy to feel like a singular cell, half an atom in the grand scheme of the world, especially in the face of things like national or global politics. Just don't forget that through all the intensity and corruption, through the sterile gutters of policy and programs, there still exists the lush forest, the friend's couch where you sit and talk, music, moments of kindness, and altruistic figures who give us hope. But if these comforts are ever forgotten, you can always explore the dark.